Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns, and I am here with a special guest here in San Diego at the beautiful Marriott Marquis, recording live with our awesome producer, Darren, but also with a, another special guest, Mr. Mike Rhodes. How are you, sir? It's good uh, to be here. Uh, very good. Good to be here face to face with you. Yes. This is really like one of the only times all year we actually see each other face-to-face. We're like Facebook messenger friends most of the rest of the year. (laughs) So it's great to be here. Mike has been on Perpetual Traffic a number of times talking about the things that he is great at, which is Google AdWords just in general and the AI and specifically, I think has been the subject in the last few talks that we've had here Mm. because it's really a bigger and bigger player. And that's exactly what you talked about in your talk on stage here at Traffic and Conversion Summit. If you didn't guess already, Marriott Marquis, we're here at Traffic and Conversion Summit in sunny San Diego. And this is day three now. And Mike just kicked butt on his talk about Google AdWords and the future of AI, as well as how his agency, Agency Savvy, who is the founder and CEO of, is leveraging AI with a human element to get the best results for his agency customers. So great talk by you today, buddy. And Thanks, of course, man. you know, me being in the front row, I had to make sure that I laughed at all your jokes. Which so, you did very yeah. well. Yeah. And you paid me well for that, ah, which was tremendous. Three beers. You're a cheap Three date. beers. I am just a pushover. So let's get right into it. I mean, there was a lot of great things about today's talk for sure. But one of the things I think that struck me more than anything else, especially as someone who does a fair amount of e-commerce advertising on the other big platform. We call that Facebook and Instagram. Between the two of us, we pretty much got the digital landscape pretty much covered here. But the max profit curve. The profit curve. The profit curve, I thought, was one of the most interesting part of your talk. And obviously, you've done a lot of talks on, on artificial intelligence and a lot of things. But that's sort of this 
otherworldly concept that a lot of people can't really get their head around, but you explained it so well in your talk. But what a lot of people forget about is this curve, this profit curve. And we come up against it quite a bit in our agency as a Facebook and Instagram ad agency. And it obviously sounds like you're faced with the same challenges for some of your customers yeah. who are trying to balance return on ad spend with CPA. And where is that sweet spot with scale as well as how do the numbers really work if you're shooting for a 3x return on ad spend? But what if you increase or double or triple or quadruple or quintuple? your ad spend, should you still be trying for a 3x ROAS? Right. So these are sort of some of the concepts that Mike talked about here today. And we're going to get into here on episode 193 of Perpetual Traffic. So Mike, the first question is explain to us what this profit curve is to our audience without the visual. Without can, the visual. You can use hand gestures because I can understand it and they can probably see it through the, uh, the uh, iTunes it's, feed. It's almost a humpback whale, isn't it? It's it like is. A, so it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a curve that starts at the, the zero point, right? So imagine you've got your y-axis is profit, right? The amount of profit that you're making going up and along the axis. I'm going to start with CPA and then we'll try and turn it into the ROAS curve because I know for your listeners, it's more about e-com. So ROAS is more applicable. We'll start with CPA because it's been a long three days. It'll be just easier to get out of my head this way because I'm still picturing that slide. Yeah, I like you picturing the slide. And just for anyone who's this is their first perpetual traffic episode, which I doubt it is probably at this point, we're talking about CPA, which is cost per acquisition. And ROAS, as Mike says it much better than I do, it almost sounds like a ROAS. ROAS. Return on ad spend. Return on ad spend. So those are the two metrics that we're talking about here. So take us through what the profit curve is all about. Right. So imagine if you spent no money, you'd obviously make no profit. So that's the start of our curve, down and zero, down the bottom left-hand corner. Now, there's a point somewhere where we go from being happy about spending money to not being happy about spending. There's a point where the profit curve crosses the zero line again, somewhere later on. Let's just say, for example, it's $100 CPA, cost per action or cost per sale. At $99, we were making a little bit of profit, and at $101, we're losing a little bit. At $110, we're losing quite a bit, and at $200, we're losing a lot. We don't want to go there. But most or many advertisers tend to arbitrarily pick a number. So they know that break-even is 100. So they'll say, ah, I can afford 40 bucks. Get me leads for 40 bucks. But actually, if you could get them for 30 this month, that that, that sounds like that would be better. Be much better. That'd be right? better. Yeah. And, and these are clients that are smart enough not to talk about, say, just click-through rate or the number of impressions that we've moved on from those vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. But so many advertisers will still say, can you get my CPA lower? Mm-hmm. And the whole point about the profit curve is to illustrate that the thing that we want to optimize for is profit. It's not cost per click. It's not even cost per sale because you have to do the math. And the math is very, very simple, really. At a certain CPA level, at a certain cost per sale, you're going to get a certain number of sales. And yes, it's going to bounce around a bit, but let's pretend we live in a perfect world where we can draw that nice clean curve. Right. Your profit on the individual sale, obviously, is your break-even minus the cost of that sale. So that's your break-even's 100, you're getting them at 40, 100 minus 40 is 60, you've made $60 profit on that one sale. But maybe at a CPA of 40, you can only do 100 sales. So you do the math and you work out total profit. Now, the counterintuitive thing is that maybe as the CPA increases a little bit, maybe at $50, 
maybe there's loads more traffic for the machine to go get. So yeah, you're making a little bit less profit on each sale, but if you can do two or three times the number of sales, your total profit will actually go up. And I think the reason that it, it never gets taught and the reason it's not very intuitive, profit isn't a metric that exists anywhere inside either the Google or the Facebook interface. It's something you have to calculate yourself. And there's a sneaky, funky ways of, of doing that that requires a bunch of code. But for the most part, it's certainly not there out of the box. It, it is possible to do, but it's not there out of the box. So then you've got to test this idea of, well, let's send the machine after different targets. Let's tell it to go get us sales for 50 bucks and see what it can do. And let's test 60 and let's test 40. And, and yeah, sure, let's test $25. And let's see how many sales the machine is able to get us. Because if we set, let's say we set a target of $5. Mm-hmm. You must get me leads for only $5 or make me sales of my $80 product for 5 bucks. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we will probably get you a couple of sales. Sure. But it's not going to be very many. And you do the math and the total profit is really pretty tiny. So there's some point where that profit is at a maximum. What I was saying in my talk was don't try and go for that precise, perfect, tiny little sliver there where it's the maximum. Just settle for a range. So you test, you try different things, and you work out that, oh, look, it's between 50 and 80 bucks. Right. I don't want to be higher than 80 bucks because then I start losing profit really, really quickly. But somewhere in between 50 and 80. Maybe let's just tighten that up a bit just to be safe. Let's go 55 and 75. Mm-hmm. So now we know roughly where our maximum profit is. Almost everybody at that point will dive for 55, sure. not 75, because that sounds better. Yep. But the profit is exactly the same at those two points on the curve. We should do a picture of this curve in the show notes, I'm I thinking. I think we can give that as a giveaway at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Press pause. Go get that. Come back. <laughs> right. Now it makes sense because you got a picture in front of you. We can sketch it on a bar napkin tonight, actually. Yes. I think. And frame it. Yeah, and, and frame it like some other guy. That replace ran, yeah, yeah. it in an office in Austin somewhere uh, yeah. with, with this one. I think that's been done. Uh, let's, let's, let's label it the million dollar napkin. <laughs> let's, let's go billion dollar napkin. Just one up them. Just well, a bit. let's call it the 1% napkin because if you get this concept, you're ahead of 99% Very of true. advertisers, I reckon. 55 and 75. Right. You're making the same profit at those two points. Most people would pick 55 at that point. The point I was trying to make in my talk was that at 75, you might be doing three or four times the volume of traffic. And that pays off in so many ways. Now you've got three, four times the volume of traffic going through your ad account. So your testing of your ad copy speeds up massively. Your landing page tests speed up. Your email test, assuming you're testing. Mm -hmm. But if you are, three or four times increase here, three times increase here, three times increase here. Those are all cumulative effects. And all of a sudden you're testing 20, 30, 40 times faster than your competitor, and your competitor doesn't know how you're doing it. Now, the second huge benefit of this, if I'm offering the machine $75 for a lead, someone else is offering the machine $55 a lead, Mm -hmm. who does Google want to give that traffic to? Hmm. They make an Mm -hmm. awful Mm -hmm. lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me just weigh that up for a minute. Uh, Column A, column B. (laughs) I think it's going to give me the traffic. All things being equal, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, this comes down to your business model. For some people, the best way to grow a business is to get leads at break even. Maybe even lose a little bit of money. on the, If you really know your numbers, you can lose a little bit of money on the first sale because you know you're going to make it up right. on the 10, 15, 20 sales that you're going to sell from here on in. If you're doing fast fashion or you're selling supplements, then 
by all means, you don't need to maximize profit on the first sale. But if you're selling something that people don't buy very often, then you need to make a profit on that first sale. Yeah. But I much prefer being able to offer the machine 75, not 55. I can move faster. I can buy traffic that other people can't afford to buy. And Google wants to give me all of the traffic and take that away from my competitor. Yeah. It's so, so important to understand where you sit on that profit curve to try different targets to test. Maybe you do that for a week. Maybe you do some split testing and you try different targets and you don't get it perfect, but you get a sense of, oh, wow, okay. At, at this CPA, I'm going to make 50 grand a month profit. But over here, I can make 150 grand profit. No, down here, only 20 grand. Well, which game would you rather play? It's- Take us through that math because I think it's obvious to you, but you're a pretty smart guy. Although I think saying that is going to come back to bite me later on this evening (laughs) but take us through that so most of your customers that come to you do they have a goal of a cpa or a roas or how does this sort of manifest itself and maybe like a case study of somebody where you were able to say hey let's think differently about this let's think on this end of the profit curve as opposed to you know the scarcity mindset of the lower cpa yeah Yeah. okay so let's talk roas then so for roas the break-even point is 5x. Mm-hmm. And if you're running at 3.5x, you're losing money every time you run an ad. So if you're picturing the curve, or if you've gone and printed it out now, you're all the way over the right-hand side of the curve, somewhere down below the horizontal line. You're losing money every time you run an ad. And as you improve the ROAS, you start to move to the left of the curve. And bit by bit, you move down the left of the curve, and then you get to the point where you break even. 5x. Yep. Now I'm breaking even. Mm-hmm. Now, just intuitively... 7x sounds better than five. Yeah. If I can get 7x return, then clearly I'm starting to make more profit. Mm-hmm. The counterintuitive bit is where you go, oh, let's go for 20x. Because 20 sounds better than seven. Absolutely. Well, now you're all the way down the left hand side of the curve and you've slid down the other side of the profit curve. So it starts to go up as you come past break even, you start to make profit. But if you go too far, if your target is too high, then you're going to start to slide down the other side. There is maybe a tiny little bit of profitable traffic available at a 20x return. Right. The other way of describing this is I picture the archery target. Mm-hmm. So you picture the archery target as all the available traffic. If your target is 20x, there's this tiny little bullseye in the middle of the archery target. And that's one. all of the traffic that you can afford. Yep. So yeah, your profit per sale is really good. Yep. You're getting $20 back for every dollar you tip in but the machine only takes 10 bucks off you this month. But in real dollars, you're actually making far less. You're making far less total profit. Right. Profit per sale, much better. But because there are so few sales, total profit is much less. And that's the most important metric that we need to try and figure out. What's our total profit given this spend? Yeah, absolutely. And I love this conversation because it's really critical as on the Facebook and Instagram platform, as is the case on the Google platform. I haven't run a Google ad in 10 years now, but I would assume it's the same when you're scaling, when you are going for more and more and more traffic. You have to start thinking about your business differently. For example, we have customers that say, hey, tier 11, get me a 3x return on ad spend all day long and scale it up to a million dollars a day. Well, that's great. But at a million dollars a day, you're not going to have 3x ROAS traffic. Because we're starting to buy more and more rings on that archery target. We're going further and further out towards the edge. And the further we go towards the edge, the incremental, which is a 
$10 word for saying the extra bit. You are British after that. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go with it. Keep that bit in. <laughs> the extra traffic is getting less and less profitable. So our average is starting to slide down a little bit. The game then is to know the maths. What game do you want to play? If you're happy to grow at break even, because again, you know you can make it up somewhere else, you know you're going to make it up on the second, third, fourth sale, that's the fastest way to grow a business. But push it too far and you're losing money on every sale, that's that's not good. Then you're going to rein it back in a bit. Right. But total profit is, I think, for most businesses at least, I mean, there are other reasons to be in business, obviously, you know, but for most businesses, optimizing for profit makes an awful lot of sense. Absolutely. So when customers come to you and they want to scale and they have these goals, and you use this example on stage today, mm. hey, you guys, I want a 7X ROAS, and you got it, and then 13, and then on and on and on it goes. How do you have that conversation with a customer to say, hey, as we scale, the real money is actually, your return on ad spend may actually decrease as you scale. It happens the same thing on yeah. Facebook, yeah. but in real dollars, you'll actually be making more. How do you go about approaching customers as you start to scale up their spend? Visually, yeah. in a word. Okay. Um, trying to show them visually a, a picture so they can get it because it's, it's sometimes hard. If you, if you went to uni 20 years ago and uh, studied marketing and learned the five Ps, just the whole concept of performance marketing can be quite foreign to many marketing managers, thankfully less mm -hmm. these days than when we started a long time ago in dog years. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. Let's not go there. So showing them visually, showing that, hey, at, at this target, we can make you this much profit. But if we push it too far, our profit's going to come down. And, and some marketing managers struggle to get their heads around that because 13x sounds so much better than 7x. Right. It sounds like something you want to go tell the board. Right. We're getting a 13x return. Hopefully the board member is smart and says, yeah, but how many sales can you do at 13x? How big is the archery target? Mm -hmm. What's our total profit? How many new customers are we acquiring? Could there be a different way? Could there be a better way? Could we rethink that a little bit? Yeah, the model that I typically will use when explaining this to customers is a simple one because I'm um, simple when it really comes right down to it. Amen. Simple math is the easiest math and also the most important math to know. But if you're spending $100,000 a month on Facebook ads and your goal is a 3x return on ad spend, so we do that, 100000 then you get how many dollars in sales? You're the math of it. 300,000. 300,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your real profit is 200,000. Yeah. Right? So 300 minus 100. Great. Now, I want to scale, but I want to get to a million dollars, but I still want 3x ROAS. My argument back to them is that you're 10xing your spend. We can't possibly keep with the 3x ROAS. However, I will say this, we could probably give you a 1.5 or maybe a 2 at a million. And we can so, test it and we can see how far we can push it, mm -hmm. and it's very simple maths. We were able to do it without using a calculator or our fingers just yeah. then. I did need your help, though, what, to yeah, do that but last one. That's so, okay. It was we'll have a beer and we'll talk about that. That's good. There's a couple of good YouTube channels you can check out. <laughs> My kids love them. <laughs> yeah, send them she's to me. seven. Send them um, to me. Yep. Yeah. But it's, it's very simple. It's the number of sales that you do and the profit per sale, and you can figure out your total profit very, very easily. It's just being aware that if I push this too hard, if I go too far out to the edges of the archery target, if I try and spend a million bucks, I can't possibly make as much profit per sale. Mm -hmm. Where you start to, where people start to go wrong is they start, and I can't explain this without using the big word incremental again, but mm -hmm. right. your incremental cost compared to your incremental revenue. 
Yeah. So once you get all the way out to the edges, you might be spending a lot extra to get that one extra sale. Mm-hmm. That may not, and that's where you start to back back off a bit and say, right, we've we've gone too far. Yeah. We're now losing money on all these extra sales. Let's right. not do that. Let's stick with profit. Yeah. And I think as a media buyer and as an agency, I mean, we just know inherently you just can't continue to expand return on ad spend unless you're running to warm audiences. And those are only really finite unless you've got just an enormous budget for brand awareness or level one type of traffic, which we talk about all the time here on the show. But, you know, in that model that we had just mentioned, this is actually a real time example. 100,000 at 3x is you know, $200,000 worth of profit, but at a million, a 1.5 ROAS, you're still making way more in real profit, 500,000 versus 200,000. Yeah. Now, if we can get 2X, great. You know, we can get you up to, you know, you do the math, what, 2X ROAS on a million spend, that would be 2 million, right? right. And, so if we, and if we push profit. it, if we push it too far mm-hmm. and we spend 2 million an hour, our average ROAS for the whole thing drops to 0.8, Mm-hmm. Uh, starting to hurt mm-hmm. and now we're losing money as an average but as we all know averages lie yeah so we need to slice and dice our numbers and look at well where did this start to fall off let's back it up a bit let's try something over here let's spend some money over here let's let the machine have a little play in this corner mm-hmm. and see what it can do right well in that case too i mean i think with a lot of advertisers they as they scale and we see this with customers of ours they want to scale to a very high level of spend with one product. Mm. Mm. I mean, unless it's mass appeal, like everybody in the world needs it. You know, you could probably do that. And Ryan Dice was at our booth this morning talking about this very thing. You need a portfolio of products. You need additional products after that initial, maybe break even transaction so that you can yes. pay more or you have the ability to pay more to acquire a customer. Not that you want to, but you have the ability to, which is so key in being able to outbid and outman the competition, especially when it comes to paid ads. Absolutely, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Dan Kennedy says that one is the most dangerous number to any business. One channel, one product, one key staff member, one big customer. There's, there's so many ways that that number one can hurt you. Yeah, one product, ouch. Yeah, unless you sell like three or six of them. Unless it's one product that people want to buy from you again and again and again and again. You can make that work, sure. That's true. But, but also, what are you leaving on the table by not having the ancillary products that they want and, and need before, yeah. during, and after using your product? Well, if you have one product, you really don't have a business. A business. You have a promotion. Yeah, we almost said that at the same time. You have an offer. You don't have a real business. So speaking of businesses, one of your... You know, key parts to your talk today was talking about some of the things that you're doing with in Google for Google Shopping, mm. and uh, it was very interesting for me speaking of how to add lots of ROAS. And obviously, we do this with dynamic product ads, which you saw my talk in the second day. We talk yeah. a lot about that. It's the force multiplier for all your traffic, whether it's cold traffic, whether it's buyers, and everything in between. How are you folks leveraging? shopping in particular and product feeds what sort of tips or and or tricks can you divulge that aren't going to get you in too much trouble uh, here about that particular platform because that really is a roas multiplier is the way that i sort of look at that whole portfolio and especially here i find that traffic and conversion with no offense to the corner of the world that you do so well but there are so many people here that only do facebook yeah. There are so many people only on one platform, or maybe only on Amazon, and some are only on Google. 
being on all of those platforms, selling your products. Well, they need to talk to you to be on Google. Well, come and come and talk to us. Websavvy.com.au. Let's have a chat. There you go. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. (laughs) Feed management is probably one of the most underrated or ignored because it's difficult. So what feed management is, you have a Shopify site, say, and it's a, a list, a database of all of your products that comes flying out of there and you shove that into your Google Ads account and that's what Google uses to run ads. Sitting in between those two things, your Shopify account and your Google Ads account, is something called Google Merchant Center. It's kind of like a halfway house for your data. All your data goes into that, it gets cleaned, it gets approved, and then the stuff that Google likes gets passed on over to your ad account. Well, one of the best ways that you can improve the results that you get from your Google shopping campaigns is to better match what you call the products with how people are searching for the products. Mm, right. Because if you call the product gray coat, but people are searching for woman's woolen size 10 winter coat, and then other people will search for winter coat, and others will search for high collared three quarter length. I, you clearly, I not the fashion <laughs> Easter here. How many coats do you have? <laughs> oh my God. But it's not it, that cold in Australia. People are weird, right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, people sorry. are weird. They they search for things in so many different ways. So the more that you can enrich your product feed, the, the better that you can match how you talk about your products to how people search, the better Google is able to say, oh, this person, they're looking for that stuff that you've got. Right. I understand now. Before you just said gray coat. I didn't realize it was made of wool. I didn't know it was size 10. Mm-hmm. The thing that matters most in all of this is the title of your product. Right. So there's a whole bunch of attributes there. You've got price and availability and the description, but the title is the most important thing. We're both fans of the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. The title is at least 80% of the game. So Indeed. you can play with and change and tweak and enhance your titles, your product titles. You can do that inside of Google Merchant Center these days. They've got a thing in there called feed rules, but it's pretty limited. It's pretty basic. For bonus points and for $30 a month, and if you're not prepared to spend 30 bucks a month, then you probably shouldn't just pack up the e-com store now and walk away. Shouldn't be advertising, probably. Probably not, but there's a, there's, there, there are many, many tools. So I, I, I struggle to pick out one. We talked about speaking in absolutes uh, <laughs> last night. But there is a tool, Data Feed Watch. They're fantastic. There are many other similar ones, but you'll find that in the Shopify app store. Yep. And it gives you a, a great platform to be able to see your products, to be able to tweak those product titles, make them more descriptive, better match them to how people are searching so that Google understands better what your products are so it can match them to the right people when they're searching for your products. If you only do one thing to improve your Google shopping campaigns, that would be a biggie. But it's, again, one that very, very few percentage of of advertisers actually do, which is a great opportunity, right? For sure, for sure. And uh, secondary to that is obviously is images. Oh, I mean, that's part of that 80-20 somewhere in there as well. But obviously that headline is super important. I mean, we really think about your feed, and this is more for obviously e-commerce people. And we believe this is the case in Facebook as well, mm. that Facebook has a Google type of search to actually scan your feed to best match your product with dynamic product ads that are done to cold targeting. Maybe by looking at the words that people the type. The words that people type, or maybe the things that are in your description or your headline in that catalog itself 
as well as the images. So we're seeing that as a big area of improvement and optimization. We call it feed optimization. Nobody's really talking about that in the Facebook space. Really? You've been talking about it for quite some time yeah. in the Google shopping space. Um, so secondary to that is images. You yep. mentioned something about that I, I, today I mentioned well. a, an AI tool. It's called remove.bg, which stands for remove background. And it's a, a fully automated AI tool that can remove the background from images. And there's a bunch of these out there, but there's tons of data that shows that images with white backgrounds outsell images with cluttered or, or, or you know, they're, they're harder to see. So you want your images to have a white background, be nice and clear. The other big thing is price. You now, the price of your products can make a big difference. There's some great data uh, by a guy called Andreas out of Europe who showed that 5% cheaper. But now, this gets dangerous, right? Because it potentially becomes a race to the bottom, but 5% cheaper products would show way, way more on Google. Because hmm. Google knows that's going to get a whole bunch more clicks. Right. And people are more likely to buy that. But that, again, dangerous world. Mm-hmm. We don't want to race to the bottom. We don't want to slash prices. But you know, if you've tried everything else that we're talking about, then for your top five products, play with price and see what happens. Potential slippery slope there, but definitely yes. something to test. And you're a big fan of actual testing, not just using, but real testing methodology within Web Savvy. It's the left brain engineer in me. I can't help it. <laughs> Experimenting, it's, it's one of our company values. Experiment yeah. with a better way. Yeah. And that's how you run the business. It's, it's how you are with the team, but very much important when you're running marketing campaigns it's so dangerous i suppose it's a variation on the one thing if i believe i have one idea and that's the right idea i'm probably wrong yeah and i need to test and experiment around that mm-hmm. it's true us as marketers we have marketers bias we which always talk about like oh i know it's gonna win well confirmation bias on steroids yeah completely i mean we've been doing this for what 10 15 years now and pretty much every ad that i ever thought was going to win and every split test i've ever run was not the right that's why we call it a test if we all knew what the result was going to be we would have done it already it's good thankfully the winning ad might have been something that i actually wrote the ad copy or created the image on so you know you get your ego boost in there somewhere somewhere in there so i'm not too upset about that whole thing so this is awesome mike all of these pieces of information and all our downloads here we'll actually get the uh, the actual napkin from mike's cocktail tonight (laughs) as a screen capture on digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast in the show notes for you here. Mike Rhodes, great to see you. Every year we should do this more often. Actually see each other and physically talk to each other face to face. And have a hug. Makes a good hugger too, so that's good. But no, really have had a great time with you here on the show this week and we'll have you back real soon. Probably not face-to-face, probably over a Zoom call or something. But that, That's that's all good. I love talking to you. I love talking to Molly, who's a bit sick at the moment. Couldn't make it today. Yeah, but uh, thank you for having me back on that. It's always, yeah. always good fun. So all the resources for this episode, here's uh, the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. You can go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is Ralph Burns. And until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.
John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply, that's tier11.com forward slash apply, and we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.